Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. Thank you for taking a little bit of time with us this week to go through a quick recap of what's going on in the markets and the economy. Before I get started, I'll do what I do every week and just remind you that what you're about to hear today should not be construed as individual investment advice. Instead, we're just trying to give you our sense of what's going on in the world, and it's a good thing for you then to go and take that to your financial advisor and see how it might fit into your portfolio. With that, let's go ahead and get started. I got a call from a client this week, and I always think I always get the most insightful things from my clients and not the other way around. But he called the office on Friday. We had just seen the latest jobs report. He said, Andrew, just help me understand this. So a good jobs report is a bad thing, but a bad jobs report is a good thing? Is that right? And sadly, yeah, that's kind of the world we're living in. It reminds me a little bit of the great philosopher, Dr. Peter Venkman. I say that jokingly. You guys will remember Dr. Peter Venkman was Bill Murray's character from Ghostbusters. But he was speaking to the mayor of New York about what was going to happen, and he said, it's like dogs and cats living together. It's mass hysteria, and that's kind of the world we find ourselves in today. But before we all freak out about it, I think we should take a minute to understand what the jobs report actually said and what other items drove a pretty volatile week in the market last week, and then touch base on really wasn't as bad as it might have felt. So let's start with the jobs report. First, before we get into that data, let's refresh on what the market was hoping to get. In any normal scenario, an economy that's creating more jobs with lower unemployment is seen as a good thing, right? But as we all know, today is not that normal scenario. It's dogs and cats living together. And so instead, what the market is looking for right now is a slowdown in the labor market. Why? Because a slowdown in the labor market would be an indicator that the Fed's aggressive interest rate policy was actually working, and that would then reduce the likelihood of future aggressive rate increases by Fed Chairman Powell and his team. So let's use that as a lens to look at what the report said. Because first, and the biggest and most notable thing, was we added more jobs than was expected in September. The consensus was that we would add 250 jobs in September, and 250,000 jobs, excuse me. But what we actually added was 263,000 jobs. And on top of that, the unemployment rate actually fell back down to 3.5% from 3.7%. So if you were just looking at this data on the surface and you were looking for a soft labor market, that was not particularly good news. But let's take a little deeper dive into what that data shows because I think it does show some promising things. First of all, the rate of hiring continues to fall. Yes, we added more jobs in September than what people hoped, but that 263,000 jobs was actually the lowest number of jobs created that we've seen since December 2020. And we have been on a consistent downward trend in hiring for some time now. It's clear that hiring is slowing. And the number of job openings is also slowing. It was reported last week that non-farm job openings currently stand 
at 10.05 million jobs. That's actually the lowest number we've seen since June of 2021, and it's well below its peak, nearly 2 million jobs below its peak that we saw in March when we were at 11.86 million job openings. So again, good downward trend in the labor market. But what about the record low unemployment number? How did, with all this, Andrew, you know, less jobs created this month than last month, how is unemployment actually going down? And part of that is because in August, we saw a huge influx of new people returning to the labor force. In August, we saw 800,000 people rejoin the labor force or join the labor force. September was actually the opposite. We saw 57,000 people leave the labor force which was a pretty big, wild swing from month to month. And when you shrink the labor force and you create jobs, unemployment is obviously going to go down. Finally, though, another point, and I I think it really dives into the inflation question, and that's wage growth. Because it's one thing to be hiring more employees, but are you hiring more employees and paying them even more to work for you? Are you chasing employees with dollars? That is a sign of inflation. What we know is that wage growth is continuing to slow from its peak in March. That's yet another sign that employers aren't having to chase after people in this market. So the end result of all of this is the labor market is cooling, but it's not cooling nearly as fast as would give the market confidence that the Fed is going to slow their rate increases. And frankly, all that matters to the world right now is what the Fed is going to do. The only way we would have satisfied the stock market with a jobs report this week is if we showed an ice-cold labor market. We showed a cooling labor market. So right now, that wasn't enough. What will be enough? A good inflation print, but we'll talk about that more here in a minute. On top of the labor market drama last week, which I would argue wasn't actually that dramatic, but the market decided to make it so, we also saw our good friends at OPEC Plus throw a wrench into our plans, throw a wrench into our inflation plans. We've talked a lot on this podcast, and I won't go through it all again, about core inflation versus all items inflation, all items being inflation, including energy and food. We've talked about the Fed's changing definition of that and what matters for the inflation conversation. We won't debate it all again, but I will just say that the standard now is all items inflation, including energy, and we're going to have to act accordingly until we hear different from Powell and Company. The good news on that front was that for the last several months, we've had pretty dramatically falling energy prices, and that was weighing or is weighing on all items inflation. But when you're a country like Saudi Arabia or Russia, who's in the midst of trying to fight a pretty badly failing war, and oil prices are dropping, when oil is the only real asset you have to sell to the world, you get a little stinky about that. And so our good friends at the cartel, OPEC Plus, decided to throw a wrench into our inflation math this week when they announced their intention to cut the production of oil in November by 2 million barrels of oil per day. Now, that caused oil prices to spike significantly over the last week. And there's a chart in the Weekly Insight Memo. You can kind of see what the trend has been. But I'll put it to you this way. It caused oil prices to jump. It also caused prices at the pump to go up. Prices at the pump went up about 12 cents last week. But even though they're up 12 cents from their previous low, prices are still 22% below their June highs. And oil prices are still 18% below the highs we saw at the beginning of the Ukraine war. I can't begin to tell you 
what the true impact of these production cuts is going to be. I don't think we're going to know for a few months. And I don't think those oil production cuts are going to actually influence the inflation data for a few months as well. But the good news right now is that U.S. oil producers are continuing to drive more production. We are now producing about 1 million barrels per day more than we did two years ago. And that number is continuing to climb. If I were advising the people in Washington, D.C. right now, I would say that a focused effort on incentivizing producers to get more oil out of the ground would be a very, very wise decision. That is not, however, probably a particularly popular decision when so much focus right now continues to be on ESG. So then we get into next week, or this week, excuse me. Then we get into this week. I spent a good part of my weekend at the softball fields watching eight-year-old girls try to play softball. I love my daughter, and I'm, I'm very proud of the work she does, but it's not really a game yet. But while the girls are having fun, the thing I always enjoy, and I'm just, I'm right there with them, the nerves of the parents are just palpable, especially when your daughter is standing in the on-deck circle and maybe something crucial is going on on the field. I think the parents get more way, actually, I know the parents get way more nervous than the kids do. And I think that's a really good parallel for what's going to be happening in the markets this week because we do have a pretty big report on deck. And despite all the drama we had last week, and I think this is important to note, last week was actually a positive week in the markets. All major U.S. indices were up for the week last week. The chart looks like an absolute roller coaster ride, but the Dow Jones was up 1.65%, the S&P was up 1.5%, the NASDAQ was up three quarters of a percent last week. It was actually a pretty good week. This week, the big focus, the on-deck report, is Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m., we're going to get the September CPI data. Right now, the expectations are unchanged from the last time we discussed this. Month-over-month core CPI is expected to drop from 0.6 to 0.5%, and all items inflation is supposed to come in at 0.2% month-over-month. If that is true, that would drop our year-over-year inflation number from 8.3% to 8.1%. Now, As I've been saying for a long time, a better result in CPI is going to be a boost to the markets, a worse result, and we're going to have a volatile week. In the meantime, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you're listening to this, those days are probably going to be pretty choppy as everybody sits around and gets nervous waiting for Thursday morning. But the end result is going to be whatever comes out on Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. So, We still have two more inflation prints before the next Fed meeting. This week's inflation print and then the October data, which will print in the middle of November. Hopefully, we can stack a couple of months of good data before the Fed meets. And if that's the case, I would expect to see some some strength in these equity markets. But that's very hard to say. And we will spend next week diving in detail into what the CPI data told us so you can better understand what it means for your expectations going forward. I'll let it wrap there this week. I really appreciate your time with us. As always, if you have any questions or any concerns, please don't hesitate to give us a call here at the office at 515-273-1333. Or you can always visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. Thanks so much for your time. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA.
Investment advisory services offered through RHA Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.